<laughs> okay, now the children can go to be dismissed. <laughs> Okay, as I was saying, once again, good morning. You, you have me again, so. It probably won't take too long. <laughs> so th- this morning, I just want to, we're going to go to Matthew 6, 31 through 33, and I'm going to jump around a little bit, but this is where I want to begin at. Um, let me start with reading this, and then we'll go back and look at a few things. So do not worry saying so do not worry saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well so that's the first thing i want to look at and i asked myself a question and i thought about it for a while and i thought well when do you believe that the kingdom of god begins in your life you know, is the kingdom of God, is, when we think about the kingdom of God, is it something that we're st- waiting for to, keep, to come? Is this this event that we're waiting for Jesus to come and be taken with him? You know, so we stop and think about, well, when does the kingdom of, of God really begin in my life? Well, it starts at the moment that we are saved, okay? So we need to realize this truth. The kingdom of God is not only a far-off event or a near event, you know, because we don't know the time or day, but it begins here and now when we accept Christ into our lives. So here we see these folks in the, in the scripture here that um, they were worried over their temporal needs. They're thinking about food, clothing, drinking, and today it's not much different because, you know, we do think about, well, do I have, where am I going to get it? How am I going to, do I have enough to get my food? Or what am I going to wear? You know, it's too hot. What am I going to wear today? Or Just different things. We think about that, and we get consumed with everyday living. And we think about the same thing that they thought about in the Bible times, you know. And I remember whenever I first um, received the Lord net, and I'd think about, how can these people be so, I don't want to say stupid, but, you know, so self-absorbed. Then I stop and think years later, it's me. (laughs) It's me because, you know what, we do the same things that they did back then. And it's funny after you... You have a perspective, a, a shift in your thinking. You know, you see it, things differently. So um, today is the same, and we still see that people strive for these same things, and some people strive for even more that seem important here and now, but in the big picture, it's not that important. So he tells us here, the fan's working, my pages are flipping. <laughs> he says, do not worry about all these things. And he says, our Heavenly Father knows that we need them. And he tells us in verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So to seek means to search for, to look out for. So Jesus is simply saying, put God first and seek for the things that matter to his heart, and he'll take care of our needs. Sounds simple, doesn't it? Why can't we just grasp these simple things? We always have to blow them out of proportion and make things harder than they have to be. We always, when we put ourselves in the picture, we complicate everything, don't we? (laughs) It's like whenever we start relying on ourselves instead of God, everything gets too complicated. 
So here he says he'll take care of our needs. And you know, I have experienced in my life that when I am focusing on Christ and my relationship with him, it's not only that he meets my needs, but sometimes it's been my experience that he gives me things that I don't necessarily need that may be a want when I'm walking with him in my obedience. So, you know, it's just those little things that God wants to bless his people. He loves us, and he wants to bless us. So we have to remember those things. So what is God's kingdom? Is it just, like I said, is it what we're waiting for to happen? What are we, what are we looking for? And now we're going to go to, I want to go to Romans 14 and 17. And this is going to tell us a little bit about what God's kingdom is. As soon as I can find it here. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. But right there is the key I want to look at. According to Romans there, it says that there's three things that are the kingdom of God. And the first one, he says, is righteousness. Okay, and now we're not talking about us because we cannot be righteous. It's about God making us right with God. Um, It's God's righteousness. It's his holiness and his very nature. It's who he is. And God is total light. He is total illumination. There is no darkness, no evil in him. So our human righteousness It's a social quality achieved by outwardly doing good and avoiding certain sins. We think, well, if we look this way and act this way and don't do this or that, then we've made it. We try to act things out. We try to make ourselves good enough for God. Guess what? It doesn't work because we can never be good enough on our own. That's why Christ came. That's why we have the salvation, a free gift. It's God's righteousness that makes us in that right relationship with him. So it's nothing that we can do. And Isaiah 64, 6 says that our righteous acts are as filthy rags. So guess what? All these outward things that we try to do to make ourselves good enough, it it says that they are useless. The problem is that man's idea of righteousness is totally different from God's view of righteousness because our human righteousness falls way short of God's. He has a total different concept. See, we can't be right without him. But we have to get it through our minds that he is what we need. And everything that we do out of that is out of our love for him. He shows us the things that he expects from us, what our heart attitude should be. So um, whether by nation or individually, God's people fail. No outward deeds are of any good if your heart isn't part of the righteous act. So whatever a righteous man may have, is only by virtue of his relationship to God. So these are the things we have to understand. Our righteousness is simply putting God first and being a reflection of his holiness. So we complicate things so much. We try to do so much and try to be whenever God's just saying, relax and be yourself. I'll show you where you need to be. I'll show you who you need to be. Why do we complicate things? 
we're human. <laughs> because we don't feel, because we know that we're inferior, that we do make mistakes, and I think that we just try to compensate. We just try to think that, well, if I do all these things, it'll make me good enough. It's not in the doing, it's in who we know and who we are, so as being a child of God. Now, the second one, he says, is righteousness, peace. Now, peace is a calm assurance and complete trust. And Romans 15:33 it says, God is called the God of all peace. And peace is a gift from God and is also a fruit of the Spirit. And you find that in Galatians 5.22. So our appropriation of peace, grant, of peace grants... Our appropriation of peace that God grants is conditional on three things. And I want to look at a few scriptures here. The first one is Isaiah 26.3. He says, You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast and trusts in you. So the first thing is that we have to trust him. We have to come to a place where we trust Christ, we accept him, and that is where the level of peace comes from. That's where it begins. And the second one is in Psalm 119, 165. It says, Do good to your servant according to your word, O Lord. So the love for God's word is another thing where our peace comes from. And uh, third is Isaiah 32, 17. It says, The fruit of righteousness will be peace, effective, will be peace and the effect of righteousness, quietness, and confidence forever. So we see that that's the work of God's righteousness as well. So these three things work together that, um, I don't want to say our level of peace, but this is what we gain our peace from, our trust in God, a love for his word, and the work of God's righteousness in us, not our own righteousness. Now, in Psalm 34, 14, in 1 Peter 3, 11, we find that he talks about seeking peace, and then we must seek peace and pursue it. So we have to learn to cultivate peace in our lives. It's just not something that's automatic. It's something that we need to cultivate, that we need to really delve into and pray about and pray for. <clears throat> um, John fourteen twenty seven says that Jesus has deposited peace in our hearts. So though we may suffer many trials because of Christ's peace, we should always have serenity of mind and inner tranquility. That's what peace is. It may not be absence of conflict, but it is just having that serenity in your mind and inner tranquility. There could be things in turmoil all around you, but to have that peace of Christ is just knowing who's in control. When you feel like things are spiraling out of control, we know that we just need to hold on to God because he is the God of all peace. And in Mark 4, 35 through 39, this is where we see Jesus, um, he calmed the storm by speaking peace to it. It was a big um, turmoil. So here we, from that, we need to learn to speak peace to the storms in our lives. When so many things are grabbing for our attention and your mind's going this way and that way and you have so many things going on, Sometimes you just have to say, peace, be still. You know, just everything just be gone for a minute so I can just relax. And you find that too when we spend time in God's word, that we can find that peace. Get away, get that quiet time so that we can just relax and know who we are and get recharged as well. <clears throat> so that's just um, really where God wants us to be. Righteousness, peace, and the last one he talks about is joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, joy is just not being happy, happy all the time. Joy is just that constant 
satisfaction and that assurance, the confidence that we talked about earlier today, knowing who we belong to. And we discovered in Sunday school that confidence is a gift. If we don't use our, our gift of confidence, we can't use any other gift that God gives us. Isn't that interesting? We just picked that up in the Message Bible, saying that confidence is a gift. And I thought about, well, we have all these gifts of the Spirit and everything, but we can't even use them if we don't exercise the gift of confidence, the gift that God gives us. So I thought that was pretty neat this morning. So um, <clears throat> joy, in the whole, joy in the Holy Spirit is a constant satisfaction, and it's fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And the joy is also fruit of the Spirit. So that's also one of the fruits. And in the fruits of the Spirit, we have to be growing in them constantly. When you think of fruit, what do you think of? It keeps coming a harvest, right? It's replenished. It always, there's always more, you know. There's always more fruit, so it always comes back. There's more and more to give out. So um, it's something that should keep growing, that we should keep coming back to. It should abound. So this joy can only be manifest when we acknowledge the Spirit and allow him to lead us in all of our ways. Sometimes it's not easy, you know, because there's that S word, submission. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of people don't like that word, submission, because it means like, oh, I've got to give up. Well, you know what? When we're following Christ, it's not so hard, you know? Whenever I know that my Father in heaven only wants what's best for me, it's not so hard to say, okay, have your will. You go ahead and take the reins because if I do it myself, I'm going to get in the way and I'll get, everything will just blow up. So there's this, you know, submission isn't a bad thing. You know, the word sounds like, you know, you hate it, but it's not a bad thing, you know, especially when it means good for you. It means good for each and every one of us. I'd rather let God, I like what Charles Stanley says. What does he, how does he say it at the end of his thing? Leave all the consequences to God. I forget how he, but he says when he ends his sermons, he says, and leave all the consequences to God. Stay in God's word and leave all the consequences to God. Isn't that like just submitting to the Holy Spirit and the consequences, we don't have them because we're doing what's right. We're walking with God. So I thought that's really neat. I have to write it down the next time I hear him say it, but he always says that and leave all the consequences to God. So I, I do like that. So um, when we go it alone, we find um, discontentment and turmoil. That's not a place to be, especially whenever we face those storms in our lives. Whenever we face those tough things that really bring us down, that's the worst place to be is by ourselves or trying to do it ourselves because we're tough. We can handle it. I remember when my daughter Nicole was little, <laughs> and she would get, she'd fall down and scrape something instead of, she'd pout a little bit and she'd look, she'd go, Nikki's tough, you know. <laughs> Nikki's tough because, you know, she didn't want to cry. She wanted to be tough, you know, and a little scrape wasn't going to stop her, but she'd always say that, or if something upset her, she'd just always say, Nikki's tough, you know. So, but sometimes it's okay to be soft before God. It's okay to be pliable. It's okay to be brokenhearted. He binds up the brokenhearted. He's with us whenever we hurt. So it's okay to let him in and let him have control. So righteousness, peace, 
join the Holy Ghost. These are things of the kingdom of God that are here and now. We need to take advantage of this here and now and not only of the event of Jesus coming, this can prepare us. This will make us more content and looking even more forward to that coming. But this is what we have. Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness that it's God's righteousness. He made us right with him. Nothing I do. Peace. Speaking peace in our lives. And just... Just... Um, having that confidence, that quiet confidence, even in the midst of turmoil, enjoying the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit guide us. Let him take control. I'm not going to say everything's going to be roses and soft kittens, but, you know, <laughs> it'll be good. Things are always good when we give God the reins. So what are we looking for? We need to take time, slow down, and make a list of our worries and start seeking God first over these worries, walk in his righteousness, and speak peace to our storms, and have fellowship with the Holy Spirit and see what he's speaking back to us. We can never go wrong if we do these things. So we need to enjoy the kingdom of God now. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you and praise you for your goodness that our kingdom of God starts with right here, right now. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the gift, Lord, for your gifts of um, salvation, for your peace that passes all understanding, and for the Holy Spirit that leads us in our daily lives. We thank you that you don't leave us alone, that you give us that comforter. We thank you, Father, that you strengthen us and that you look over us and that you do love us. Please praise and bless your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.